0: Lord, I lift your name on high.
1: Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to worship with our church family here. We ask that you would help us to help each other to draw close to you and to, um, to uh, point to the love that you have for each of us. Lord, uh, we thank you for that opportunity and, the, and the, the, the encouragement that we receive from those around us. Lord, we ask that you would be with those who aren't with us this morning. We know that several of our own members are, are sick. We're thankful for the successful surgeries that were had this week, and we ask that you would be with them in their recovery. We ask that you be with others who may still be suffering in some way. We ask that you would provide healing for them. Lord, we ask that you would um, be with those who are away from us, who are particularly those who serve in our military. We ask that you would uh, take care of them, protect them both physically and emotionally um, in such a a difficult uh, situation. Lord, we pray for those who take uh, your message throughout the world. Lord, we uh, pray especially for the mission work that goes on with Hope for Haiti's children, with with the service in their orphanages and the schools and the sponsorships and all the different ways that they impact those children and draw them to you and teach them about you. Lord, we know that without that effort, that many of those children would not know you. And, Lord, we thank you for the impact that that has and pray, pray that you continue to bless those who are a part of that. Lord, we ask that you would um, be with Alan this morning as he turns our minds towards the hope that we have. Lord, we experience the brokenness of, of ourselves and, and our world every day. We're reminded of how things don't work out and how we fail ourselves, our families, our, our employers, our how other people fail us, and the disappointments that we have in the brokenness of this world. And Lord, that can be um, a downer for us. Lord, help us to remember the hope that we have for that future time. Help us to long and look forward to that time when you will make all things new. Lord, we ask that you bless Alan as he points us in that direction this morning. Continue to be with us as we worship together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: My faithful father, enduring friend, your tender mercy's like a river. With no end, it overwhelms me, covers my sin. Each time I come into your presence, I stand stand in wonder wonder once once again. again. Day. I know there's no way to repay you, only to offer you my praise. Your grace still amazes me, your love still a mystery each day.
2: didn't really go anywhere but I somehow managed to walk around seven miles around my yard. Um, Yeah don't ask me how that happened. Um, So we live on a corner lot and I was trying to get the yard looking clean and tidy and um, got an edger for Christmas so I was able to get that going. and it's starting to look good. Um, Once it's once you've got the hard work done, it should be easier to maintain, so I'm told. Um, <laughs> so we'll see about that. But there was a, something I read a few months back. Um, many ministers, whether you're pulpit, youth, or whatever, enjoy yard work because they can see what it was like. And there is the end result. You can see the change. In ministry, you don't always see what's happening. You don't always see the end result. And gardening, I never thought I'd like doing it. I enjoy it enough because I do get that reward of, it looks good now, kind of. Um, <laughs> And I know that's not the case necessarily for Jesus, because he knew the outcome, but I wondered if Jesus ever had days where he was like, is this worth it? Is this, they're just not getting it. Why am I here and they're still not understanding? I've done these miracles, I've told these parables, maybe that's where he got confused, They weren't getting the parables. Um, But he explained many of them. And so often in ministry, and you may even have the same with your children, your grandchildren. Why when they're just not getting it? But Jesus did see a result. And the result was in some action that he could not let us take. The result had to happen through his crucifixion. For him to die, for him to hang on the cross, the result was very clear. Victory over death was clear. It doesn't matter how much time or energy we put into our yard to see the result It doesn't matter how much you teach your children the alphabet and then they they learn it. And numbers and multiplication and all these other things. Because eventually, ultimately, that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is that we understand the purpose of Jesus' coming. That crucifixion. His action was for us to have a relationship with him. And one day, we will all see the, the reward of that. One day, the Lord will come and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And to others, he'll say, I don't know you. One way or the other, there is going to be a clear result. Something will be seen. And it will be as clear as a nice, clean-cut lawn yard. It's going to be very obvious. Where are you? The, the passage I uh, picked out is one very familiar from Matthew t- uh, chapter 26. On the first day of the Festival of Unleavened Bread... The disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go go to to the city to a certain man and tell him, uh, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. (coughs) So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to uh, say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and while they had given thanks, when they had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it, in, drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. It was very clear someone had to betray Jesus. The edge was marked. In our lives, we need to decide what we're going to be doing. Where do we stand? Because one day, everyone will know where we stand. Will you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for bringing your son Jesus to die on the cross, to die so that we may have a hope of eternal life with you. And Father, it's our prayer, it's our desire to hear you say, when that day may come, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, it's our prayer right now that you forgive us of our sins, take away the blemishes. Take away the, the things that uh, make us miss the spot, miss the target of being your children. Father, as we partake of this bread right now, help us remember the, the body of Jesus hanging on that cross. But also help us look forward to the time when this body shall come down once again we celebrate and we look forward to that day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray for the cup. Father, Then we come into your presence. We come understanding that you're not going to drink of this again until we're all with you in your Father's kingdom. But we take it to remember. We take it to, to be a part of the, the blood of Jesus that, that this represents. Father, for the blood that was poured out, For the life that was given, we give you thanks. Once again, we ask that you forgive us of our sins. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Morning. I'd like to tell y'all a little story about a gang, guy named Paul. Paul was a uh, profession, was that of a preacher. Um, he lived during first century ADs under Roman occupation. Um, he traveled quite a bit through his, uh, his professional career, some uh, 20 or 30 years after uh, some guy named Jesus Christ. Now, he preached to a, a group of individuals who called themselves The Way. It was a gathering of folks that would uh, gather a little bit differently than their Jewish brothers. They would gather on, a, on the first day of the week in which they would break bread and, uh, you know, speak and teach uh, uh, about this guy named Jesus. They called themselves The Way because that uh, Jesus Christ fellow once said that uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to me or to my Father but through me. So they they started calling themselves The Way, and Paul would uh, preach to them, travel all through the lands, both uh, foreign and domestic, all the way out to, uh, uh, some say, lands far west of the Mediterranean Sea, up around Italy sometimes, uh, but definitely as far as Rome. Um, And in this, when he would talk to them, he would also gather up a collection for those who are less fortunate than the ones they were talking to. And we're not talking about these guys who were. Uh, you know living high on the hog they didn 't have a whole bunch of spare, but they gave what they could and they took a collection back to uh, quite frankly those in Jerusalem who were having a real rough go under Roman occupation. Even then, they took a collection it 's not so much so uh, so different than what we do today it 's one of the many line items that we take care of our budget uh, to help those both foreign and domestic who are less fortunate than us. It's not a matter of because we have to, either. It's not a command that you shall give 10%. It's a number that's between you and God himself. It's a number that you must be giving to the happiness of your own heart because you want to. So this first quarter here is going to be a discernment this first couple four months that we're going to gather up between January and April, the last part of March, that we gather up a collection so we can figure out what we're going to do with the money that you give. As you see, uh, last year, as far as the update for, for budget, uh, we are currently over budget. We've, y'all have given more, uh, more generously. And uh, the church has done great, wonderful things with that, and we continue to do so. Uh, Our weekly budget up to this point that we're doing, our discernment, is actually over what we did last year. Uh, So that shows the great, uh, great blessings that God has bestowed upon us and also the wonderful heart that you have as a congregation. I ask that you continue to do so so that uh, as we, as a group, still decide what this church can do. Uh, and will do for the following year that uh, you pray for us as as the uh, budget leader team as, as the ministry team to um, help decide wisely what to do with your funds uh, February fifteenth or excuse me February nineteenth is the next meeting, uh, and you 're all invited to come. Um, to help voice your opinions or just learn uh, what it is that we do and, and how we do about that. There's a lot of prayer, a lot of uh, discussion amongst ourselves, uh, but there's also a lot of open discussion uh, to, to come to a decision about our budget and ask that y'all be a part of that. But you most definitely get to be a part of it for a discerning process. Uh, with that, let's bless the giving. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to come together as friends and family. To come and give this offering back to you. Lord, none of this money's ours. It's just yours that you've given us authority over to give here and there. Lord, we ask that you bring in each and one of our hearts that uh, you allow us to not just to, to give, uh, as we heard earlier in the week, not just to give graciously, but sacrificially. Lord, we're so very grateful for all that you do. We ask that you bless this money that we raise and to honor your name. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning. I'll be reading from Romans chapter 8, verse 19 through 23. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan in- inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Let's all be standing for this next song, please.
0: Holy, holy are you, Lord, the whole earth is filled.
4: I kind of join with Kyle. I like us I, I like singing. I think Kyle likes us singing as well. Terry, you've led us in that. I, I'm, I'm a little breathless. Every time I sing that song, it kind of takes everything I've got and makes me a little breathless. Caden, thank you very much for your scripture reading. This is a brave young man. Uh, you you, uh, you don't see all the ways that courage and bravery show up, but... Uh, Caden, a couple of weeks ago on the day, uh, ML, Martin Luther King Day, was at a part of a program. They needed somebody to sing the National Anthem. You say, no big deal, we all sing the National Anthem. Until, of course, you're the only person singing behind a microphone. And I have video evidence that this guy made it through the whole thing. That's a brave and courageous thing to do, and you did it well. Can we give a big hand to Caden and The other thing I thought you might observe this morning is, is Wes did such a good job getting up here and preaching a little bit that you might just want him to come back and tell more stories. Do you all want to go? Yeah, there we go. We've, we may need that to happen. And finally, I see Eisenhart's here today. Jamie looks great. And there's, there's, there's a bundle beside you there. Is that correct? Everybody very quietly. Welcome Rowan eyes and heart to our midst and our church family. We're really glad that Rowan is here. Um, Please be sensitive, as always, with our new babies that mamas need to take care of them for a little while. And We're glad that they're here. Glad that Rowan could be out, particularly. Um, Coming up, starting next Saturday on February the 8th, uh, we're starting a series of lessons uh, for anyone who'd like to to be part of them. And and again, I want to say that this is something that would be a great benefit to, uh, the people any of your neighbors or co-workers this is a very very practical course on on what it is to 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 find financial and again uh, as Christians we we reach to this word peace to find financial wholeness to find to be better at not having our finances run our lives but us utilizing our finances to bless not only our families but To bless the world around us and uh, Dave Ramsey has a great course that you'll be blessed by I encourage you to participate uh, in that there on the front page of your caring and sharing is a little uh, QR code that you can sign up for that and uh, we we would really ask for you to register before you get there but if for whatever reason, you just think about it next Saturday morning. I need to get a hold of my finances, then, then come on. And, and I'm sure that they'll make, make you welcome and help you get involved in what's going on. We're in the midst of this series, and I appreciate uh, Roger and Chad mentioning, of living hope in a wishing world. If we're going to be people about a, a living hope, that is the idea not simply that our hope, which is in Jesus Christ, is a living Lord and Savior. Amen. But it is that we are called to be people who live in a way that reflects the hope that God has planted in people's hearts in reality since the very beginning. As soon as they were cast out of the garden, God said, no, someday that serpent's head is going to be crushed. As soon as he called Abraham, he said, There is more in store, not just for you, but for all of mankind. When the kings of Israel sat on the throne, the the hope and promise was that God would use them to, to bring about a better world, not just for Israel, but for everyone who would turn to the Lord. And, of course, summarized in Jesus Christ, who came and didn't simply live passively and sort of reclusively until that moment when he get to, got, went to the cross. Jesus lived abundantly. He interacted with all kinds of people and particularly loved to interact with people who seemed to need the most hope. He made his world a different place. And if we're to follow in his footsteps, we need to be a people that live into that hope. Today, we're going to begin the process of looking at several lessons over the next few weeks that begin to reach for the implications of what is it to not be the kind of people that the world sort of wishes, we wish the world would be better, but the kind of people who understand that the hope that God has for all of us is not simply some sort of spiritualistic salvation of our souls but in reality is a great redemption, a great redemption for we ourselves, for the church. Peter pointed to a passage particularly where God talks about bringing all things together in a great judgment, where we we understand that, that we've allied ourselves with God. But that hope leaks out into so many different things. The passage that Caden read points to the idea in the midst of chapter 8 which is about living in the Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit living is not simply about me figuring out how to get my stuff right but it is me living in a way so that the world begins to be transformed into more and more of what God would have it be. That story goes all the way back to the very beginning. Genesis tells us two stories. I would say that one of those stories is the creation from the perspective of heaven. God looking down on what he's creating and how it's going from there. The second story that we're going to read is much more about the view of the creation from earth. From where you and I live. From the perspective of the, that which was created and looking at what God is doing. These are some excerpts from chapter 2. I'd encourage you to read along with me. This is the account of the heavens and the earth. When they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. No shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there was a river in the garden that watered the garden and flowed from Eden. And there it was separated into four headwaters. And the story goes on again from the earthly perspective to kind of point to the way those rivers moved into all parts of the world, all directions, the points of the compass. What came from Eden filled up the whole world. And skipping down to verse 15, the Lord God took the man... And put him in the Garden of Eden, because he had a purpose for him. he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Won't you join me in prayer, our Father and our God, it is our desire to live into your great hope. It is our desire to see things the way that you see them. It is our desire that we don't simply see the reality of the brokenness of this world, but the hope that you have for each of us, for us collectively, and in reality for all the heavens and the earth. Father, may our lives make a difference because we follow you and we want to be people who in every aspect of our life and in every way that we live are in concert, in sync, are harmonizing with what you want. Father, as we look at these early stories of the way you created and your purpose in creation and your blessing on creation, we pray that our hearts will be stirred to live a little more for you and with you, filled with your Holy Spirit in the living hope that you're coming again to make all things new. We thank you for Jesus and the way he is the first fruit of that great hope. And it is in his name that we all pray and we all say. So the chapter 1 story basically is summarized in this way. God saw all that he had made. And, he, and it was very good. It is a tendency on our part as humankind to kind of point towards that sixth day of creation. In fact, the last half of the sixth day of creation. He created man in his image, male and female, he created them. And we, and we think, oh, that was so good. Men, we particularly say, we are sure glad you created women. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm not sure that the women always say they're thankful that he created man, but that's beside the point. God doesn't simply say, Oh, that last thing I did, I'm sure glad I got that last part right, because that's what's good. God said, from all the way reaching back to the day one, when some way in which the forces of light and darkness were separated, and God said... Darkness, you're not going to have rain where I don't want you to have rain. I am in charge. And all the way through, the sun, moon, and stars, the waters being gathered together, the flora and fauna coming forth on the dry land, the the, animals, the things that fly in the seas above and the things that swim in the seas below, all are part, the whole thing. Not just the little part that was in Eden. Yes, there's a garden there, and yes, it's special. But all that he created, he stood back. And and our our focus may be that we see him standing back from this little blue planet in 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 our solar system, in the Milky Way, and said it's good, but in reality, his expansive view is of all of creation and all of the universe. It is, how did he say it? well, that's okay. How did he say it? Very good. The question, to a certain extent, is in a hopeful life, do you look at it all and say, very good. The second story ends differently. Again, a heaven view looking down. Wow, this is great. The second view is, to a certain extent, From the perspective of humankind. Again, notice that the humans aren't just spoken into existence. The humans are intricately formed by the hand of God himself. He molded. He then takes the rib and molds again and says, Woo, yes. And the man sees himself in relationship with God, not just in the good creation, but particularly right there in the heart of the good creation, that Garden of Eden where God put him, And we could kind of say, just don't mess it up. Except that's not what it says. What it says is he put him there to work it. To manage it. To make it become fertile and fruitful. To be part of what made the Garden of Eden good. Man is there. Man is there to work it and take care of it. Second story is beautiful in that it engages us in the creative work of God. Not just in the idea that we somehow or another achieve a moral life that is transformed by the Spirit and somehow that is separated from our life in this world, but that even our engagement with the world is part of what God, the good that God created at the very Beginning. And I would say, therefore, it is part of the hope and the way that we live into the hope that God has for us. Notice that we turn the page, and you've read your Bibles enough, or at least you know the story enough to know that it changes dramatically when we turn the page. Brokenness of sin enters and everything and everything changes. And the verses we're going to read indicate that not only did brokenness of sin change humanity, but it changed the creation itself. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Because you did that, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it. All the days of your life. It, the ground, the good ground that I created. Done the way that I wanted it to be done. Will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will still eat the plants of the field. But it will be through great toil. See, the tragedy that follows is not limited to humankind itself. And so it is that Romans 8 and several other passages. You can read in... Ephesians chapter 1, about verse 8. You can look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7 and 9. And Paul talks about the way the whole creation, heaven and earth, everything, is invested in what God is doing. And Romans chapter 8 probably says it most eloquently. The creation waits in eager expectation. Not simply that God will return and make it all right, but waits for the children of God to be revealed. That, that as we become who God wants us to be, it has an impact beyond just our very lives and has an impact beyond humankind itself. We're part of what God is doing and only God can ultimately accomplish in bringing about what he hopes, not just for our individual lives and not just in the sense of a a disembodied spirit or soul that he's redeemed. But he wants to redeem everything, all of it. What is it to participate in a hope that isn't just about, I want to get saved, but that I want to be part of everything that God has been doing from the very beginning and that he will bring about in His new heaven and new earth when He recreates everything. First of all, let's be sure and say, none of us can redeem ourselves. Somebody say amen to that. None of us are the ones who make ourselves what God wants us to be. It is the blood of Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. And in the same way, you and I are not called to be the salvation of all creation. I have absolutely no idea the way that God is going to remake all of the universe, but I have a feeling that I'm not going to be able to lift a single finger to help get that done. Secondly, I want to be sure and point to, this may be a confusing lesson, and I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to say that this is easy stuff. I don't have all the answers of the way the creation gets redeemed. The way the creation is waiting for God to make it all whole again. I don't know how those specifics all fit together. I just know that it seems to be something that God is pointing from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, to the very end, Revelations 20 and 21. A new heaven and a new earth. Not just me and you floating around in some sort of place disembodied spirits and souls. In the same way that we can't accomplish our own redemption, we need to recognize that we're not not the ones that are going to, quote, quote unquote, save the world. This will happen through God's transformation. You may be pointing to passages in your brain and say, Wait a minute, wait a minute, Alan. I know that the Bible says it's all going to be burned up. It's all going to go away in a great tumultuous end. To a certain extent I would I would challenge you and be glad to continue a conversation that most of those passages are pointing towards in the same way that before we can put on a glorious body like Jesus's glorious body, we're going to go through a process of death and dying and the fleshly stuff will be consumed in its own way that maybe most of those passages that are that you would quote to me about it's all going to be burned up, is less about a destroying burning up and more about the same way that the Bible talks about the refining fire that you put precious metals in to make them even better. You've experienced that in your life, haven't you? Where struggles and difficulties come and the purpose, or at least the way that God can use them, is that he brings us through a fire into a place where we are more of the person that he wants us to be. We are not going to be the ones who make it all happen. But I think we do and we can participate and live, again, in sync with God, live in concert with God in all of life. So you may ask, so Alan is what you're talking about, just pulling weeds or picking up trash. Well, it isn't, and it is. It would be incongruous for us to walk up to someone in need and, and, and participate in their lives and love them in a way that that brings help and transformation to their life, and then immediately turn around and Say, walk up to a beautiful painting and take spray paint and spray over the top of it. It would be incongruous for us to be people who say, I am working for the transformation of the Spirit in my life and then to step out into God's good creation and create havoc through pollution and create havoc by not tending to what He's given us to tend to. So make no mistakes, it's not just about pulling weeds, and it's not just about picking up trash, which we should be doing. Did God create it to be trashed by humankind? And the answer is, God created man to come in and work it and care for it. And that has a multitude of implications that, by the way, are not easy to work through. But we need to recognize that even when, Peter, I did not set up Peter to talk about mowing the yard. I just want to be sure that's heard. This is not true everywhere, but in our climate, in our kind of grass, do you know one of the reasons that you mow the lawn? Somebody says to get really hot and sweaty and dirty. You mow the lawn because it helps control the weeds. The beneficial grass is blessed by keeping the weeds from continually growing. Now, do I mow the grass because I say, Lord, I want to pre- I start, but when I turn on the mower, I say, Lord, bless me as I bring about your good creation. I don't. But I'm trying to help you see that there are little things that you do in your life, all parts of your life. That either contribute towards being consistent with what God wants in the world or are contrary to what God wants in the world. Pick up your trash, pull your weeds. Somebody's going to point out wait a minute, blue bonnets are weeds. So be selective. But the other half of the sentence also has to be true. Are we working at not tolerating injustice anywhere that we find it? Because we want God's new creation to at least be glimpsed in the things that we do right here and right now here on earth. I don't know, did you... Did you? Did you sing the song before I got up to preach? Did you sing along with me? You sounded like you did. I mean, it was really pretty cool to hear you sing. Joining with the creation to say, Beautiful is our God. Have you ever heard that song that way? That's what the chorus is. The line before the chorus is, The universe will say, And so we join with the universe in saying, beautiful is our God. And I want to say to you, I don't know all the ways you can accomplish this. Because the universe says, beautiful is our God by shining the way God created it to shine. A snow-covered mountain standing there and saying, look at what the hand that created me. When you get off into a really dark place at nighttime, and there's no clouds and you look up and see the stars, and the stars themselves simply say, Beautiful is our God. How are you going to contribute? As the creation that God seemed to wait to the very last to put His greatest touch, here is the image of God. And now I want to be beautiful for God. I want to be sure and point out, guys... That's not about all the bodybuilding you can do and tight t-shirts that you can wear so that you can be beautiful for God. I thought I'd pick on the guys first. Ladies, it's not about putting a little more lipstick on so you can be beautiful for God. Those are things that pass away. How can we be beautiful for God and contribute to the beauty of Not just that our life is, but that the whole world sees around us. And if that's loving someone who a lot of people have a hard time loving, and excuse me for being this simplistic, but about taking the little piece of ground that God has given me on this earth and doing everything to make it say, look what God can do. We'll never get to everything, of course, but something. Are we contributing to the beauty that the world sees? The beauty of God that the world sees in everything that we do. Because that is the hope. Not the only and not the ultimate. But it is a foreshadowing and an echo of the great hope of what God wants to accomplish. There is only one who makes it completely right again. Amen? And while I'm not finished yet, and you may say amen to that as well, I trust the one who is transforming me. I trust him to continue to work and to not give up and to make what he hopes for in me formed more and more every single day. I don't know what you're depending on to make the real hopes in your life come to fruition, but I can tell you there is no one that is more trustworthy. In fact, for the real hopes in life, there's no one other than our great God. I invite you to stand. Please stand. I know that most of the time, most of you don't come forward, but I'm asking you today to say, God, show me one more way that I can bring a little bit of your hope into the world around me. Let's sing.
0: Jesus, you're my firm foundation I know I can stand secure Jesus, you're my firm foundation I put my hope in your holy word I put my hope in your holy word I have a living hope You're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word.
5: Man, Terry, I was ready to keep on rolling. <laughs> uh, just first of all, I'd like to welcome all our visitors today. And if uh, you would, please raise your hand. We have a token of our appreciation for y'all being here today. And um, just want to thank you for being here and worshiping with us. Uh, here not too long ago, we had somebody who worshiped with us and visitor. And it was just neat to hear them talk about... Um, it didn't feel like a an orchestrated, uh, I guess, production to what it, way it was put, and um, and it is. It's a. I think worship is all about the heart and and the individual sitting in that chair and what you put forth, and um, and our church here does that very very well. Um, things to remember. Um, last, I think it's this Sunday coming up. Uh, there will be at the, uh, let me go, oh, it's in my phone. Craig sent me a message, said he was not going to be able to make it today. I'll make sure I get this right. It says um, Saturday, February 9th, and it's really Sunday, February 9th, they're going to have a Valentine's party from 5.30 to 7 at M. Cross Senior Living. And so um, their life group, so other life groups who want to help out with that, are welcome to join them i think even on our um financial piece, i think it had the wrong dates so that's february 8th saturday february 8th so saturday, saturday, the, 8th. saturday. saturday the 8th i think it said the night so i don't know somebody looking at the wrong year when we put those on there i don't know so okay in the caring and sharing we have a few that have uh just had surgeries and um and are back home, there's other tests. I just want you to make sure you all look at that list of Vicki, Kevin, Carlette, Pam, another Pam, Pam Manning, uh, Gary McDaniel, Rowan, who's here today, Ethel Mills, and, Jess, and uh, Jessica Hicks. So just want to uh, remember them and as they recover and, and uh, get stronger. And, and I know there's some others that have some other tests that are going on. All, also today... We have our family fellowship Sunday. Um, everybody is welcome to join. Even if you didn't bring anything, there is always plenty food. And uh, as I uh, do our prayer, I also will offer a blessing of the food for us, for our services in there. Uh, anything else I've missed? All right, uh, uh, let's stand for the prayer. And then after the prayer... Uh, Terry will have a closing song. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this Lord's Day, and thank you for uh, this church and the people here. I just ask that you be with us as we go through this discernment process and, and that the giving that this church has been just is unreal, to to say the least, of what we're able to do. And each year we um, we bring it to, for, forward to this uh, church here to tell us what our budget's going to be. And... Uh, and over and over again you show through their their giving I just ask that you uh, be with those who are on our prayer list who are either recovering or going through surgeries and trying to uh, and other tests I just ask that you be with the doctors be with them as they recover uh, just give them strength be with their families to uh, to help minister to them also today as we have our meal together I just ask that you bless the food that we're about to eat bless the hands that prepared it Father, I also want to say thank you for your son and for sending him to be on this earth to be among us, but then also for him suffering on the cross for, for our, our wrongdoings and then being raised, and one day we will be with you. I just ask that, that uh, the blessings that we see, we know that they're coming from you and that we can understand the love and let us so, show that love to others. And pray in Christ's name. Amen. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from
0: heaven are what I can see when my Lord is living in me. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore. Tall, Tall mountains, mountains green the valleys, the beauty that surrounds me all make me aware, me aware of the Is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Never more will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. Go with God.